Thanks to Casper for supporting The Motley Fool. For $50 off any mattress, go to casper.com slash fool and enter promo code FOOL. It's Wednesday, September 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio is Matt Argersinger from Motley Fool's Million Dollar Portfolio. Matty, it's just you and me. You're flying solo. I love it. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing good, and um, I think all eyes right now and all of our colleagues, as I was walking in here, a lot of people watching Hurricane Irma. Ugh. Right now, the most powerful Atlantic hurricane in recorded history. So we have some business stories we're going to talk about, and this obviously is a business story. But first and foremost, it's a human story. So our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who could be affected here. Yes, everyone in the Caribbean, Florida potentially, Gulf Coast, You know, however this thing turns and twists. But it's it's... Especially on the heels of this terrible Hurricane Harvey that hit, you know, a week or two weeks ago, it's just wow, unbe- unbelievable. You have this stretch, you know, no hurricanes hitting the continental U.S. You know, or no significant hurricanes, and now in a short time, right. you've got Harvey and you've got Irma, and a record one in Irma, and a record one, scary. And you know, we are a show about business and investing, and obviously, this is a story, and and both of these hurricanes and Irma will have implications for businesses and investors. Yes, I, you know, we don't want to use the word winners losers here because there will be obviously winners and losers with this uh, with this terrible event, but I think there's a bigger there is a bigger story for the stock market. I think too with this with the Hurricane Harvey and now Hurricane Irma, depending on on what it does. For since really Katrina, since we had the mid two thousand, early two thousands, when we had these these flurry of big hurricanes that hit the Gulf Coast and and elsewhere, Sandy uh, several years ago. The insurance market has been very very competitive. The pricing has been very soft. You've had a lot of capital. Capital's been cheap, so private equity companies, hedge funds have gotten into the insurance and reinsurance business. Lots of money's poured in, and the idea is, well, I can collect these fat premiums yep. and not pay out any claims because guess what? There just hasn't been many catastrophes, natural catastrophes, and that's a great business, right? It, it, right, while well, less. And if you have a great investor, we talk about like Markel a lot with Tom Gaynor, right? If you have someone who can invest those premiums, then right. all the better. It, it's 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 a levered way of investing a lot of capital and making good returns. Now, the problem is, if you have some big catastrophes, especially. Like what we potentially might see with Irma back to back with Harvey, all of a sudden claims are coming and the market's going to harden up and the pricing is going to change. And all that capital, all that capital that was flowing in, all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's big liabilities there. And so I think, in a way, this could have big implications for the stock market as capital sort of flows out to pay, pay claims. A lot of these levered funds who are betting, investing in insurance and reinsurance over the past few years. Are going to see some serious losses, and they're going to have to take losses elsewhere in their portfolio to offset some of these liabilities. And so, you know, it's it's sort of very indirect. It's tertiary, but I think you know, depending on how all these natural catastrophes shape up this season, if Irma's a big one and Harvey was, you could see a big change in the insurance market, and that's going to lead to big changes potentially in the stock market. Well, on a much much lighter note, and on a stock market note. Kohl's is the latest retailer to join forces with Amazon. We don't talk much about Kohl's. We don't. I confess that I forget that Kohl's is even around. (laughs) But yes, they are still around, and they've just announced plans to carry Amazon devices, accessories, and smart home products in 10 of its stores ahead of the holiday season. Can Amazon breathe life into a traditional retailer like Kohl's? (laughs) A retailer that I don't even think about anymore. I I know. Well, in the near term, I think this gives... Kohl's a boost, 
right? I mean, these are these are products. These are things that customers want. And if you're a retailer who doesn't have these things, you're you're probably behind, especially going into the holiday season. So, I think Kohl's, you know, getting these devices, getting Alexa, and getting the, these homes, these smart home systems into their stores. Hey, that that's a way of attracting more customers, and hopefully, those customers not only spend on those products but also buy other things at Kohl's. It's a clear win for Amazon because all I see here is with Amazon is attracting customers and probably more Prime members than it otherwise would being outside of Kohl's. But long term, I don't know if this does much for Kohl's. I mean, there's still it's the trend toward viewing Amazon as less a competitor but more of a platform that I can sell th- things on. That's good, that's the right direction. But with with Kohl's, it's a diversified department-like store retailer. It doesn't really have any at least as far as I know, because I'm not a Kohl's shopper, but it doesn't have any specific products that I can only get at Kohl's, right? So I'm not sure if this kind of relationship, even though I think it's the right move to make. I mean, there's really not much else Kohl's can do at a lot of these department stores, but I'm not sure exactly how much it gets them. But bigger store here, I think I think retailers are starting to see like you know what we just we can't stop looking at Amazon as this yeah. competitor that we think we can beat because we can't beat them. If you can't beat them, join them. Right, join them. Find a way. Yeah, find a way to become this omni-channel. Evolve your business into an omni-channel distributor, and and Amazon obviously is a great partner to have. I, I mean, I like the effort. I'm not sure, like you, I'm <laughs> not sure it's going to matter. But you know, you got to start thinking creatively about Amazon. You do, you and, do, and you got to work with them. Okay, before we move on, I want to say thanks to Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. Casper is made of supportive memory foams for a sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. And Matt, I have it on good source. And I don't want to name names, but I have it on good source that it is entirely possible for two people in the same household to share a bed and have very, very different temperature settings. I I think that's a possibility. I'm just, I've just my own that. household. Yeah, I've heard that. It's I've not heard a stretch. It's not a stretch. Okay. Well, buying the Casper is easy. You can order online. It's delivered to your door in a compact box, free shipping and free returns. And Casper gives you 100 nights, 100 nights to try it out if it's not for you. You can return it for free. So a lot of my colleagues at The Motley Fool, a lot of our colleagues here at Maddie, have Casper mattresses, and they love them. They love them. So you can save an additional $50 toward a mattress purchase by going to casper.com fool and entering the promo code fool. It's available in the U.S., Canada, and now in the U.K. That's casper.com fool, promo code fool. Terms and conditions apply. And now let's talk Dave and Busters, as I like to say, woof, when a stock has a bad day. <laughs> Shares of Dave and Busters down big today, Matt, after disappointing sales. Well, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Dave and Busters expert. I've probably been once in the last ten years. I like the fact that it's a, a differentiated restaurant. You know, you can kind of go there and have a good time, play a bunch of games. Great place for the for families, obviously. Yep. Uh, I just I I have to step back and I just think we we just we're a little over restauranted in this yep. country so that's kind of a big secular thing we have going on but but yeah in the near term I just people are just going out less and I don't know if that's I don't know what's causing that necessarily because we've just seen so much we've seen so many restaurants whether they're you know either upscale restaurants fast casual or just kind of places to go to hang out like Dave and Buster's that are just seeing less and less traffic and so same store sales are falling. It's more competitive. It, restaurants are always competitive, and it just seems like we've we've hit this point where very few are kind of winning right now. Very few are attracting 
the customers uh, that we normally see. And uh, Dave & Buster's just one that, that isn't for in the near term right now. Yeah, and my experience is that you can spend a lot of money in a short amount of time at Dave & Buster's. Both my boys have gone to birthday parties there. And initially, I thought, hey, this is great. This could be like the Chuck E. Cheese for the tween and well, teen right. I was going to ask you, if this is like that's, Dave & Buster's like the graduation. You graduate from Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, in and- theory, that sounds great. But you go to these parties, and then they give you these cards that have money on them, right? To play all the games. Sure. But if you have a card with, let's say, 20 bucks, you can go through that in oh. 15 minutes. It's like four, and then you're at a yeah. birthday party <laughs> you know, at a video game place with all these games, and you either have to use your own money or you have to you know, say, hey, you got any more of those cards to the host, which is you know, not really <laughs> polite. And so it's, it's, it's an expensive habit. So I guess it's more of a play for people going out at night and people wanting to have a dinner and a drink and wanting to play games on the side. But I'm just I'm not sure I see it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a big market for it. And um, like I said, I like the model because with, with everything that we're doing at home these days, we're looking for reasons to go out, and I think David Buster's offers sort of a differentiated experience, right? To go out, especially if you're, you know, with families. But uh, you know, not my cup of tea. Okay, well, we will keep an eye on it. <laughs> and as we wrap up here, Matt, this is mistakes were made week here on Market Foolery. I know Chris and our colleagues have shared some of their investing mistakes, so I want to kind of hand that off to you. How about one investing mistake that you've made? Sure. Well, I, I could I could spend an hour listing off the dozens of bad <laughs> stocks that I bought. Uh, since I've been investing, I mean, I just, but that's really the point. I, I, I've bought a lot of bad stocks, but my biggest mistakes by far are stocks that I've sold too early. And so when I think about my own personal portfolio, I own Amazon and Netflix today, and I plan on holding them for a very, very long time, if not forever. But I got to go back, and there was several points over the last seven or eight years where I sold Amazon. And Netflix, and there were various reasons for that. I found something else I liked more. I thought they were a little expensive. I at one t- at one point I had to buy a house, so I had to liquidate a bunch of stuff in my portfolio. But if you look at the ramifications of those moves, yeah, and the and the you know I sometimes count the cash that I have in my portfolio, the value of my portfolio. Why do you do that? You're just I, I know, yourself. I know, but you have to do it. And so I do that too, <laughs> and it's terrible. But the point is, we make most investors don't realize this, but. We we our biggest mistakes are the ones when we sell too early. We yeah. tend to we tend to focus on the stock we bought that dropped seventy percent. Like listen, I've I bought GoPro a couple of years ago. I, I bought Pandora. I still own them. I'm down like eighty percent. You know, those are mistakes. And I, I don't like making mistakes. But they are nothing compared to the great companies, the multi bagger companies that I sold in the past. And because those over over an investing career make all the difference. Yeah. Um, two mistakes I've made. One is just a big one in my pre-Motley Fool days. This is back when Apple was hanging by a thread. Okay. When Microsoft, oh Microsoft literally was giving Apple money, was That's you right. know was investing in Apple to keep Apple afloat. I remember Bill Gates showed up at that That's like it. The, at the the whatever the Apple conference. I it was like 1998 or 99 yeah. and said, "I'm that, here to I'm here to help." That's that's exactly right. And 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 I was dabbling for some unknown reason, not a lot of money, but dabbling in options. And I happened to own Apple options the day that happened. So the options went from like 1 to 9. I had never invested in call options, and all of a sudden I think I'm a genius. So mistake number 1 is just mistaking dumb dumb luck for skill. 
because then I proceeded to invest in options more, and it didn't turn out very well. <laughs> so dumb luck is not the same as skill, and that was dumb luck. Mistake number two is at times I, I bought Ariba a few years later. I don't know if you remember Ariba, and it was this big B two B company back in 1999 and 2000, right, and right, it right. shot to the moon, and then it went down to a dollar a share. And I was there basically for the whole ride. And the line, one of the lines on Ariba that I had heard is that it's going to be the eBay of B two B. So so mistake number two oh, yeah. is. Falling for the easy comparison. Yes. Because that was back when eBay, people thought eBay, you know, eBay had more sauce than Amazon oh, in it terms was, of investors. eBay was the the, right. the business model of the future. It was just it right. was amazing. So yeah. like who wouldn't want I mean, I still don't completely understand what B2B is or was, <laughs> but who wouldn't want to own the eBay of B2B? I know. So I know. that's such a good point because you see so many comp- comparisons these days. Yeah, like, and just resist. This is the Facebook of this. That's this it. is you know, this is the Google of this, and you're just like, yeah, yeah okay, all right, slow slow the roll. And here. it can be helpful. When we we've talked about like Mercado Libre potentially being the Amazon of, yeah. of Latin America, but but it is different, right? That that's yes. good shorthand. But those are two very very different businesses operating in two very different environments. Right. It can help you frame the argument for a stock by right. saying it's it's like this or it's this of this. But don't stop there. No no no. Yeah. Because there are vast differences between well, those com- companies that have done it and companies that you think can do it. Yeah, sure. I found out. I bought a Reba in the hundreds. It went up to like 300 and then it went down to 80 I sold at 80 which was like one of my best moves ever. After Genius. buying it like at 180 and I think it went down to like a buck a share. Oh, see? So, there you go. So, <laughs> mistakes were made. So, Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Matt. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd and Heather Horton. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.